our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. There are cold cases so famous that even someone who hates true crime knows all about the details. On December 26, 1996, the body of a little beauty queen was found, and her face would grace the covers of magazines for years to come. However, to this day, we still don't know who killed John Benet Ramsey. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. John Benet Ramsey was just six years old when her name shot into infamy. Daughter of John and Patsy Ramsey, the young girl was known throughout Boulder, Colorado, as a successful beauty queen from a well to do family. However, on December 26, 1996, everything changed when Patsy woke up to find her daughter missing and a two-and-a-half-page handwritten ransom note on the kitchen staircase. The note demanded $118,000 in exchange for John Bonet's safe return. It also demanded that they not call anyone, especially the police. Despite this, Patsy made the call to Boulder Police around 5.52 a.m., she also called a group of friends and family, all of whom rushed to the home. When police arrived three minutes later, John informed them that the ransom amount was exactly the same as his Christmas bonus from the previous year, suggesting that the kidnappers knew the family. Police gave a cursory look around the large home and found no signs of forced entry. Believing that this was a kidnapping case, no effort was made to secure the scene and prevent contamination of evidence in the home. Family and friends cleaned up, moved things, and walked around the home freely. One officer went down to the basement of the Ramsey home and found the door secured with a wooden latch. Instead of inspecting it further, he walked away without opening it. This would prove to be one of the biggest mistakes in the investigation, because hours later, around 1 p.m., an officer asked John Ramsey and a family friend to search the home and see if anything was amiss. This is when, behind that closed basement door, John found the body of his daughter lying on the floor. Her mouth had been covered with duct tape, a cord around her wrists and neck, and her torso covered by a blanket. Her skull was broken from a blow, and she had been strangled with a garrot. And, although there was no evidence of semen, there was vaginal injury suggesting an assault. John picked up his daughter, brought her upstairs, 
where Patsy threw herself on her daughter's body and cried out. This act of devastation ruined any chance for fingerprinting and evidence being extracted from the girl's body. With very little evidence or information to go on, John Bonet's case quickly went cold where it remains today. By October of 1997, there were over 1,600 persons of interest in the case. But even now, no arrests have amounted to a conviction. So, who are the suspects? The ransom note proved to be a large piece of evidence. The oddly long letter, which was written on Patsy's stationery with her own pen and contained only her fingerprints, caused police to take handwriting samples. There were strong indications that the note was written by Patsy. However, nothing was definitive enough to charge her. There were strong suspicions surrounding the Ramses, especially Patsy and their son Bert, who was nine years old when his sister was murdered and claimed to have slept through the whole ordeal. The note, coupled with the strange discovery of her body and the couple's lack of cooperation during the investigation, led to a horrifying theory. Many assumed that Burke came downstairs to have a midnight snack of pineapple when his sister, who was the star of the family, stole a piece and the young boy lost his temper and hit her with a blunt object and killed her unintentionally. In fact, there was a bowl of pineapple still on the counter when police arrived, and some of the fruit was found in JonBenet's stomach contents. The note and the destruction of evidence were simply Patsy and John attempting to cover the murder in an effort to save their son. This theory was explored in a 2016 broadcast by CBS, which resulted in Burke suing the network. Another theory is that Patsy lost her temper over another bedwetting incident and strangled John Bonet to cover up what she did. However, by 1998, the police and the DA stated all three of the Ramseys had been cleared and were not suspects. Despite this, John and Patsy were indicted on charges related to putting John Bonet at risk in a way that led to her death, as well as obstruction of the investigation. They were not prosecuted. By 2008, DNA samplings cleared all three Ramseys publicly. Patsy Ramsey died of ovarian cancer in 2006 and was buried next to her daughter. In 2003, investigators extracted material from a mixed blood sample found on John Bonet's underwear and found DNA belonging to a male that didn't match anyone in CODIS. This led to theories that it could have been an intruder, one with a sexual deviance, or even her own father. While an intruder seems to be the easiest solution, there was no outward sign of break-in. There was, however, a broken basement window, one unlocked door, and two windows left slightly open to allow for Christmas light cords. Investigators surmised that someone entered through the broken basement window and subdued John Bonet with a stun gun. Her pageant career did make a prime target for pedophiles, and it was found that, in the months before her murder, there had been over 100 burglaries in the neighborhood, as well as 38 sex offenders living in a two-mile radius. This brought forth suspects like Gary Oliva. Gary was arrested for sexual exploitation of a child and was a registered sex offender who called his high school friend and confessed to hurting a little girl, who claimed the knots who claimed the knots used to strangle John Bonet were eerily similar to those Gary used to strangle his mother. When he was arrested in 2000 for drug charges, photos of John Bonet were found in his bag as well as a stun gun. 
Then there was the town Santa, who took a strong interest in John Bonet, even taking the vial of glitter she gifted him in with him to heart surgery and asking his wife to mix it in with his ashes if anything happened. There was also the mysterious man, Michael Helgoth, who was in a property dispute with the Ramses, and after police announced they had a new suspect, he killed himself. And we can't forget about the man who famously falsely confessed to the murder in 2006, John Mark Carr. According to him, he and John Bonet had a sexual relationship and she was killed in a sex game gone wrong. None of these leads played out and the murder of John Bonet Ramsey remains one of the biggest true crime mysteries to date. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.